Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Phil Tiger. Greetings Slackers, it is a brand new episode of the Slacker Podcast and it is here for you and for you and for you and for you because Slackers, you complete me. Um, Thank you for listening to the the show. Um, If you're brand new to it, uh, you have about 60 or 70 episodes to go back through from Artists like uh, Serge from uh, Kasabian, Biffy Clyro, Fontaine's, Jimmy World, if you're into classical, a little bit of Ludovico Ianaudi. Um Phoebe Bridger's episode is really good. Um, the Phineas episode is really good. A little bit of Bob Geldof in there, Jarvis Cocker, Kurt Vile, Tim Minchin, Action Bronson, Sean Paul. Oh my God. Who have I not interviewed? If I haven't interviewed them, they ain't worth shit, man. <laughs> Um, you can you, you can fly back through them on all the podcast platforms um, that you can go and listen to the Slacker podcast. There's all up there for you. Um, if you would uh, listen to my new podcast that I started at the start of um, 2021, the tail end of 2020, it is um, a two and a half hour radio style show that is only available on Spotify. And it's all to do with just me finding the best new chill records um mixing it in with some of those old retro feel good ones and something that'll make you feel fuzzy and warm and beautiful um inside if you're having a particularly stressful time or you just want to lie back on your um recliner out the back of your house while it's sunny and listen to some floaty records and some floaty tunes then go and listen to chill the beats c-h-i-l-l-d-a-b-e-a-t-s um go and listen to it now that would be the best thing in the whole wide world so yeah thank you so much um to everybody who already does listen to chill the beats and you slackers who've been here from the start my god i love you so much um it's time for a brand new episode with um uh tim burgess who's an absolute legend for many many different reasons and you will hear me gush about such and and tell him why in this brand new episode of the slacker podcast in three two one Well, isn't this cozy? Slacker podcast, it's Tim Burgess. How are you doing? I'm all right. How are you? 
Yeah, good, good. I've got, I've like got my uh, homesick Irish memories cup, which is like the probably the cheesiest thing that I I have, but it holds like two cups of tea in one. So I'm like, you know, I'm ripe. You know, I'm ready for this. You got, you got tea on the go. Big time, yeah. The real, the real heavy shit, you know. Got my coffee, and uh, don't know what it is. Tankard. <laughs> <laughs> some sort of some, some it's sort cold of, as well. It's iced coffee, nice. Iced coffee, all right, okay, right. Like, like, like as the caffeine courses through our veins, the, yeah. the conversation will start getting a little bit more yeah. <laughs> and sporadic and all over the show. Um, how you doing? How's things? What's going on? Very good. Uh, I've just um, driven back from Wales this morning, um, and uh, yeah, just been recording some more solo stuff really so I've uh, been doing that for a week and uh, yeah just uh, listening parties and um, just settling back at home mm. really and through the door you were you were in um, Rockfield which is like the the famous the famous studio which had a documentary come out about it a couple of months ago that's right yeah yeah um, yeah it's just their great days and I don't know it just feels really great I mean there's a long time that we didn't go to Rockfield, or I didn't go to Rockfield, um, but uh, just reconnected with the place again, really. Uh, um, not because of the documentary, but because, <laughs> but just, uh, just as you know, things happen, and um, yeah, just just felt like it was the right place to go again. Uh, so yeah, definitely, like just sort of like re- revisiting those old characters as well, because like yeah. I, I really enjoyed that documentary, having the the fan and the family in it and the farmers <laughs> and stuff like it. because like for anybody who hasn't who hasn't seen the documentary, the the, the farmers that own that that land and that studio kind of like be, are almost like the fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth member of each band that comes in, aren't they? They kind of hang about a bit. Yes, they do. Yeah, I mean their history is incredible. That they, they um, you know, Joe Meek recorded their debut single. Um, uh, um, and uh, they kind of like they took Joe Meek's kind of uh, tech which was like recording people in the bathroom and stuff like that <laughs> uh, and, and uh, turned it in and turned that technique into a uh, with their farm of course in, into um, a residential studio and the, the, yeah their brothers they're in their 80s now so they're kind of quite you know um, experienced and um, about running studios and, and they've just kept it going since Ah, well, however long, I don't know. But um, they're, they're fun and they do join in and they do just pop their head into the studio to see how things are going. They're just very happy that um, things are going well. And um, yeah. Do you, do you feel you picked up some of, some of that old school magic that uh, you had when you were making the Charlatans records back there, back in the day? Well, yeah, I mean, I think, I think so. Um, I think it was important for the, for the Charlatans to have a residential studio. Um, um, we did our second album there between 10th and 11th and it took six weeks and, um, yeah, I don't remember any of it really. <laughs> um, uh, but I do remember, um, yeah, I, I, I do remember what uh, that I was, um, really into uh, every Sunday I'd watch Cracker and Band of Gold and Sam Morton and Susan Lynch, who have become like lifelong friends now, um, were in those shows. So it's kind of like, that's all I can remember from it. <laughs> well, 
what was the memory blocker of the time? Was it was it booze? Was it was it drugs? Was it like like or was it just a, a mixture of both? Um, at that time, it was. I feel like if you're going to be in a if you're going to be in the countryside in Wales, surely like acid would be the big one that you would go to, no? Mm. Definitely, um, yeah, mushrooms and acid at that time, and um, and 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 booze. But you know, booze—it's a weird one. It kind of creeps up on you. We weren't massive drinkers at all. Um, you know, not really uh, then. Um, although we have been through drinking phases. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> It was more kind of like, you know, things that didn't fill you up. <laughs> yeah, 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 true. Yeah. <laughs> things that, that were quite light on the, on the mind, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Like, do you have to sit down, to, like, like, you know, in the 90s when you were making all, like, a lot of records and stuff, and you're like, well, yeah. I think this album's going to be a wine album. I think we're going to drink a lot of wine. <laughs> there's, definitely, there's definitely a pot album, and that was the fourth album. You can, I, 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 as soon as I put it on, I can sort of, like, see the, you know, the, the, the fugue of sort of smoke, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I love the idea of like you, you being able to, well, I mean, it's, it's not uncommon for artists to smoke weed and, and, and record songs, but it, for, for some, it impedes them more than others. I think like there, there was always this great um, myth that went around when I was a teenager that, you know, if you smoked weed or whatever, it would, it would heighten your, ability to be able to play bass and or guitar or drums whereas it's kind of the opposite for like 95 percent of the people really isn't it yeah i think so <laughs> I, I i can't um well it's probably yeah the only time i would pick up the bass and drums um would be if if i was <laughs> so it definitely definitely allowed me to express myself better on the drums for sure yeah. <laughs> not, not that anybody else was interested <laughs> so one of the things that drummers hate, like hate the most at, at, at band practice is everybody who thinks they can sort of play has a go on them at some point and the drummer just sits yeah. and looks and goes <sighs> everybody wants to play the drums oh. everybody wants to go on the drums anyway you know um so, so the start of every uh, podcast we play uh, a demo mm-hmm. and in in this case it's uh, your first ever single uh Indian Rope. It's a demo um, that came out a little while ago, I think. Yeah. Um, was it part of a B-side package or, or something? I'm just trying to find it. Well, no. Um, basically, this is... Oh, it wasn't. It came out this year. Yeah, it's the 30th anniversary of um, the Charlatans as uh, people who have recorded records. Um, so 1990, January, um, Indian Rope came out. So we thought to you know, mark the 30-year anniversary on the date we, we put the demo on and just felt like a good idea. And we were going to do that until, you know, we um, put out a uh, kind of retrospective box set thing that hasn't seen the light of day yet because obviously the plans changed quite a lot during COVID and, and um, during this year. So we haven't put it out yet, but. You've kept yourself fairly busy, though, in the in the meantime. But yeah, I, mean, I would hate to say I'm too busy, but <laughs> come out. But uh, it actually feels like I, I kind of am at the moment. But anyway, let's let's story. let's blast this in, right? I'm going to play the 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 version yeah. in full, right? And and uh, I'll come back off the end of it after, and we'll we'll discuss, okay?
What do I think of it now? Yeah. Is that what he said? Sorry. What, what, what images does it conjure up when you... Oh, when you... Um, uh, well, I mean, we recorded it um, in somewhere in Kidderminster, which I've never been to before and I've never been since. <laughs> and um, and uh, it's just, I don't know, I think... John wanted a certain sound on his drum, so uh, and he wasn't getting it. So we ripped the carpet up and we made it like you know it was a stone floor, and we made it sound as kind of sixties as we possibly could. Um, uh, Rob was a bit worried about his um, about the I shot the sheriff riff, but uh, I think we had you know <laughs> there's a, it was made up of a lot of components. Uh, Brian Auger, Julie Driscoll and the Trinity, the Beatles, uh, Bob Marley. It was, it was kind of everything all in one song, we, we thought, you know, and um, Pink Floyd, maybe early Pink Floyd. And, and, and it was 1989 and, you know, everyone had gone kind of like dance. Everyone was like dance crazy and it had to, it, I, we wanted to make people dance. And, and, it, and I think it has all those elements, really. Although we, we, we changed it a little bit and some of the lyrics are a bit different on the final version. It, it sounds amazing to me yeah yeah no i agree I, I, I love it like and you can definitely feel that that like that dance vibe you know like you know that that song if it had a if you had formed the band five years later or sorry earlier yeah uh, would have sounded very different yeah um well yeah the bass drum was a lot louder <laughs> And uh, it was, a, you know, a lot of De La Soul. Um, hmm. De La Soul's first album, uh, Three Feet Higher and Rising, um, kind of really inspired the, bit, the the drums, really, that and a lot of dance stuff. Um, Hacienda classics like um, uh, Dreams of Santorano by Orange Lemon. And um, I think uh, lots of people mention it, but, uh, but uh, a song called uh, Stuck a Humanoid. <laughs> what was, was early hip hop, or like that sort of late eighties hip hop, like prevalent in other places of your music, or was it mainly just sort of drums? Um, well, I mean, um, not really. I mean, I suppose uh, hip hop for me it kind of comes and goes, and I like um, I like lots of it, but. Um, at that point, I think I was really just listening to Tribe Called Quest and, and Della Soul. And probably, it, you know, introduced a bit early by the Beastie Boys, you know, uh, and, uh, and their wonderful Paul's Boutique. Oh, my God. Like, and does that, I don't think, like, we can be here in, like, 3,000 years' time as floating heads in, like, big globules of whatever, right? And we yeah. can still very confidently go the Beastie Boys albums don't haven't aged like they're still fresh well especially I mean you know I really really got into uh, Check Your Head and Ill Communication but Paul's Boutique you know is kind of um, there's something I don't know almost unbeatable about that record in in a way did you ever ever meet them like I'm sure you would have been playing the same sort of festivals around the same sort of time yeah I met them a few times actually Um, um, most notably uh, Bremerton which is in um, which is in Washington, um, the uh, Pacific Northwest. Uh, we did a festival, and it was um, Beastie Boys, Sonic Youth, Charlatans, L Seven, um, and a few few others. And you know, um, it was just in '91, um, and then met them a few times after that in uh, uh, in um, uh, a 
club called uh, Club Cheetah in Kawasaki and, um, uh, you know, hung out a, a, a little bit. They were um, um, very keen on buying Martin's bass, but he didn't want to sell. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, they told us a few secrets about how they got some sounds. And, um, yeah, I'll keep, I'll, I'll, I'll keep them. They're, they're going to <laughs> But yeah, great. Yeah, yeah, no, I know. Like, I, I mean, absolute, absolute icons of music. Um, so, like the the Indian Rope track, like you know, there there was a a, a space between um, zero and and you making that, and I kind of want to sort of examine that for a little bit. Like, how how like was there? Sorry, was there like a, a big moment in your like youth when you were like a kid that you were like, right, this this music malarkey is going to be for me? Like, was it a uh, uh, a particular like a band you seen on TV, a live performance, a relative and music. Um, what was the sort of catalyst for you? It all started with um, Bay City Rollers, really, um, and uh, Top of the Pops. And then I noticed what an impact that they had on um, um, all the kids at, at, at the primary school that I was going to. So. And then after that, punk. And, and if I look back, the, the, the style of clothes that Bay City Rollers were wearing and then the Sex Pistols were wearing after that, pretty similar. You know, lots of tartan um, and, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, and sort of uh, spiky hair. And um, so that, was a, 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 that just was a natural thing. And also, you know, uh, cult, uh, um, culture was represented quite uh, weekly uh, on top of the pops and there was always kind of a few anomalies um to the uh, to the easy listening that mums and dads liked with the occasional punk band or something that would um you know resonate with me what, uh, what was it like then when like well <clears throat> fast forward to to rewind in a, in a second <laughs> yeah. but what, what what was it like then when you got on top of the pops because like did you feel oh. like feel like an outlier outlier on it or did you feel at home on it I felt really good on it. We, we went on um, with a, a song called Then, which was our third single, and also um, with Weirdo as well. And both those times were just fanta really fantastic. I mean, we went on a, a few times after that as well. Um, um, but uh, I think Rob went on with a broken arm once, which was quite uh, hilarious. Um, you know, trying not to give away that miming thing. Um, and, <laughs> and, uh, but um, yeah, it was... Uh, yeah, uh, just so many great times. Um, uh, you know, uh, I had my photographs taken with the Smurfs, um, which was uh, pretty, pretty amazing. And um, you know, we met uh, both Minogues, and um, so that, that that was kind of it was, it was just great. Um, uh, but watching Top of the Pops on a, a weekly basis was just a, a, an amazing thing. And um, one of the best ones ever was seeing New Order do Blue Monday, and that kind of like in many ways opened up something in, in, in my brain thinking that they're from two members are from Manchester, two members are from Cheshire where I was grow, growing up. They had a big hit single in Europe and I just thought, wow, they're so close to home. It can actually really be done and they're on top of the pops and it's just an amazing thing. And everyone else in the eighties were wearing suits and new order were wearing t-shirts like out of their trousers, you know, instead of tucking in, it was like out and it was like, and they were cool and they were scallies. And I really kind of like, I really took to that and it made me feel like I could do it too. Did you, did you have that same resonation with Joy Division as well? Or was it more of a new order thing? 
not so much because I mean I think you very much um, you Blue Monday and and Power Corruption Lies was my record. It probably always will be in many ways. And I had to backtrack to Joy Division because I didn't I wasn't aware of them. Um, I was into kind of second generation punk at that time, like um, you know Crass and uh, Exploited and things like that. And probably yeah. you know it was just I just missed I missed that. But I mean obviously you know, I've backtracked and, and have an amazing like connection with them now. Did you, did you um, spend a lot of time in, in their club in the Hacienda? I did. Yeah. A lot. Um, I used to, I, I actually went to see uh, quite a few gigs there before um, sort of committing to um, going most weekends, you know, and, and, and dancing the night away and then walking, <laughs> walking home. <laughs> Um, or at least Walshing and trying to get a train in the uh, at six o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yeah, on Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> um, did you ever get to play in it? Like I, I, I can't remember that. Like um, off the offhand when it shut down, but it did. It, it was into the nineties, wasn't it? Yeah, we played. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. In 93, um, and um, I remember Hooky being there and, and some members of The Fall. And, and, and it was really beautiful thing for me was that Vinnie Riley took photographs of the sound check. And I tried to, you know, because I'd grown up with Jurati Column and, uh, you know, I, or, or, you know, up, certainly from sort of 16 to 22, uh, 20, however old I was in 93, 94, it would have been then. So I was like about 24, 25 years old then. But And I, and I kind of ran after Vinny and uh, to try and talk to him and tell him how much I loved him. And um, yeah, he was gone. And I've never seen him since. But. <laughs> So those like those acid house and those early rave days like were pivotal and like what what you would sort of end up doing musically really wasn't it like I mean obviously you didn't go ahead and just make 
acid house, but it fed into the energy of what you did with the mm. Well, yeah, I mean, it was, it was uh, I guess, underground, um, but they're not really that underground because, you know, there's like um, Acid House uh, tracks at number one in the charts, you know, but um, I guess it was, you know, um, I, I, I always felt that I was, well, I was 11 really when punk was going on. And, and although I committed to that, at the age of 11, no one really sort of said, you know, no, no one really asked me much about it. You know, I was just like, I, I like what was on the TV and stuff like that and watched some shows. But um, I, fe- I felt that uh, it was like a kind of a cultural revo- revolution, really, uh, with um, Acid House. And I, 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 I thought, well, this is, I'm going to be right in the centre of this. This is like my punk, you know. Mm. Yeah, yeah, totally. And, and, and it really was. And it was like, as important culturally at the at, at the time as 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 punk was, um, yeah. to tell me about. I, I was fascinated because I I've never heard anything from them, but I wanted to know about the Electric Crayons. I'm really obsessed with people's first bands. I, I love I I love the stories and the naiveties that people have in the the first bands. Like I've got a million like stories of. I almost think sometimes the first band stories are not normally the best ones because you are really going into it from a place of not knowing really nothing and kind of trying to make it up as you go along. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, 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 the Electric Crayons basically played a lot of cover versions, right? Um, there's a couple of Iggy Pop songs. There's a couple of Doors songs. <laughs> uh, there's a couple of our own. And one that I'm still quite pleased about, and that's the B-side of the actual single. Uh, it's called Happy To Be Hated. And, and I kind of, I just, I really still like that song. Um, <laughs> I'll stand by it. Um, um, but um, Electric Crayons, um, yeah, we played uh, some local shows, really. And, and, and we, we got to play the boardwalk uh, a few times and uh, played in, you know, beautiful, um, you know, clubs around uh, the Northwest. And, um, and uh, yeah, we put a single out actually on the day that I joined the Charlatans. So it was kind of a bit of a, didn't really work out for... Um, yeah, sounds like a messy. My commitment, my commitment to them, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> messy backup there. Uh, basically, what happened in between is that the, uh, we'd recorded this record and we supported the Charlatans, who had a different singer, and Rob and um, Martin um, were were discussing whether I should be the singer. Um, now, at that time, I was kind of um, thinking that um, I wanted to be Iggy Pop. And so I was, when, when they saw me, I probably didn't have a shirt on and I was probably wearing leather trousers <laughs> or, you know, <laughs> yeah, something along those lines and, um, you know, or, um, pleather trousers, I, w- I would imagine. Um, and, um, and they kind of, they, but they liked me and they, uh, and, and, uh, Rob thought I was, you know, going to be the next Jim Morrison. And, and there you go. And, and, um, at what point did the band tell you to start putting t-shirts on or was that a personal decision? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I mean, it kind of, um, I went to rehearse with the band or, um, and it was an audition, but I didn't really know it was an audition. It was just a kind of, I wanted to just sort of like sing and see what, see what happened. And they played an instrumental and then, uh, then we went for another song, which was called always in mind. Oh, it later became that. And, and um, I, uh, I kind of just did what I knew, which is kind of 
to do uh, what I kind of did with the electric crayons, really, which was, you know, sing like Iggy Pop or Jim Morrison. And, uh, and, uh, but it was a bit shouty and Martin told me to try it again, but next time maybe try singing. And <laughs> <laughs> so I kind of like stopped with the kind of like, you know, that and kind of just chilled a bit. And, and that is my voice. Because like people would see you as quite a chilled person now. Like it's like you know you've really like uh, you've really fit the glove. <laughs> yeah, I, I am a chilled person, um, and um, you know, but uh, you know, I was I was learning about. Um, I, 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 I don't know. I mean, I just it's really hard to chill at that age. Like all all young boys have got like uh, that sort of manic. Yeah, and you know, and in them that they need to get out somewhere or another. So it sounds like a quite a healthy way of doing it. Um, yes. I was thinking like, you know, you didn't really like as, as a bandit, like, you know, you could like, you could like looking back on it now for me, like you could go, well, like they sound like they could be like, you know, an underground band or or they could be an overground, but it could be anywhere really. Um, But you didn't really spend that long um, having to toil around the smaller venues. Like it it went, it kind of like Indian rope was a bit of a, an indie hit and then the second single went top 10 yeah um we had a lot of support from um manchester how does that happen because like thinking about it now like i mean i've like run a small label for for years and the idea of me being able to put out a band and get them in the top 10 is so foreign to me i i may as well be trying to launch them onto the fucking moon you know there's something going on, wasn't there? I mean, it was like a, it was like a huge thing. Uh, there was like three magazine, there's like three weekly papers, um, all, all wanting content and all wanting to report on the new thing. Um, uh, and um, we had, you know, the, the, there was, um, a, you know, Stone Roses, Happy Mondays and Spiral Carpets were kind of like, you know, almost like together kind of like getting a lot of attention and people were looking for a new, the new thing. And, um, you know, I think I remember the a Melody Maker came up, Bob Stanley from Melody Maker interviewed Charlatans, Northside, Interstellar, Paris Angels. And that was kind of like supposedly the next wave, you know, the, the, the new, the new, new future of uh, Manchester music. We had a lot of support from, um, uh, from, uh, uh, um, like Terry Christian, who was, you know, just writing for the Manchester Evening News and, and, um, and uh, Penny Anderson, who wrote for the NME. And, and, and um, there's a lot of photographers always wanting to photograph, for, you know, photograph us. It was kind of... <clears throat> and, then, and then James Brown saw us once. Uh, James Brown was the editor of the NME and he saw us at our London gig and he put us on the front cover of the NME. Flipping out, man. Like, did you feel like it moved fair, like at the right speed, at warp speed, at like, did you have to chase your tail or were you ready for it? No, um, it was pretty intense because this was in between Indian Rope and, and The Only One I Know. Um, it was, you know, all these things were kind of happening. And then when The Only One I Know came out, we were on tour and we were driving up and down in the van and, you know, anytime we put the radio on, we could hear our song on Radio 1. It was just like nuts. And, it, you know, and, uh, you know, and every time we turned up, uh, it, was, it, it became really, you know, it was our Beatlemania. You know, it was amazing. 
wow and like like when you have those conversations when you're like in the band or you're starting out as, as a band before you're famous everybody has that idea like where they're like going oh well like you know when we make it i'm gonna like buy my mom a house or like you know when we make it like i'm gonna like do this that or the other was there a moment where you were like going oh shit like you know i can actually buy something lavish or i can like look back and go wow like this is what i was thinking of where i'd be well, I bought a record player, um, like a really <laughs> nice record player, so I could play all my records that were all scratched. So, I don't, but uh, um, uh, uh, yeah, I, and I've still got a record player, so that's really great. So yeah, um, when we got a record deal, that's what I did. But I thought I might have but I had to buy my auntie a car because that's all she would go on about. <laughs> when, I, when I get famous, she got to buy me a car, and it was like, okay, okay, and then I did, and and I didn't. Didn't say what sort of car you could go buy one of those like battered out stock cars for like fifty. Yeah. Like, I don't think that's what she uh, that's what she had in mind. Auntie, there you go. There's your mini metro. <laughs> <laughs> um, you you're mentioning like you know coming up behind um, the Inspiral Carpets and the Stone Roses. Like surely it must have been um, a big. It must have been a lot easier coming up behind them when they sort of took you under their wing because Stone Roses like got your support um, on one of their shows, didn't they? Or a couple? Um, yeah. Um, I think it, I think it was. Um, I mean, undoubtedly it was because there wouldn't have been a second wave of Ma- of Manchester music if there wasn't a first wave. So they definitely made you know they definitely forged the way and um you know and i think it, I th- the most amazing thing was like um just how um popular british music was abroad you know so everywhere we went it was always about this scene this thing you know every all the magazines it was just like an amazing thing and um yeah and i think it was just such a, an incredible um time for um, you know, British British music really abroad. Uh, it was amazing. Mm. Uh, <clears throat> like all of the bands that, you, that we were sort of mentioning and talking about there, I would say that you, like the Charlatans and not even yourself um, will have released more albums than all of those combined. Um, <clears throat> like you, you definitely have got like the the, the stay empire um, critically and commercially over over the years. Like, uh, well, what what how how come the Charlatans are such a, a tight knit group and and you've like managed to continually make great albums over the years while everybody else seems to fall by the wayside? Crikey. Uh, or is it just simply that he's like, enjoy what you do and you don't hate each other? <laughs> well, we, we, we don't hate each other. And I, I, I don't know whether people have fallen by the wayside or not. Um, I, I just think that, um, you know, we created our own bubble and, and our own world. And that's something that we wanted to just roll with, you know. And um, yeah, you know, we've been uh, friendly with other people. We, you know, we were invited to play with Oasis, you know, and we've, and then we've taken, and, 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 and you know, in the same breath, we've taken um, bands on their first American tours and stuff like that. I, I think um, that it's just, you know, like, uh, you know, just, uh, I think, I think lots of bands are quite, quite good at sharing you know there you go you know and it's like i mean and and the amazing thing is that i got to you know invite stephen morris from new order to play on the last charlatans album i mean you know this the world of music and the bubble that you create um 
it's it just it just amazes me all the time yeah it's yeah i just love i love the fact that like you see artists paying it back and paying it forward like you know most majority of people will realize how difficult it is to get to a certain situation then if there if there's somebody that can do something for you normally they will and that goes the whole way up to to bands of like the who like like the who and like and like the stones who you've supported but you've also yeah, you stones yeah exactly they, you know they were they were great i mean mick, mick jagger watched you know watched our performance from you know the side of the stage and um um i, I, I supported rolling stones um as a solo on a solo tour and um you know, he came and started doing his warm-ups while we were sound checking. It was amazing. That <laughs> <laughs> would really put me off if, like, Mick Jagger was, like, peacocking while I was, like, trying to do my sound check. Yeah, I didn't think of it like that. I was just kind of like, uh, yeah, I was quite, I was just quite, I was thinking, wow, what a guy, you know. <laughs> but um, if I would have thought what you're thinking, I would have probably not been able to sing. But, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I didn't, uh, fortunately, I didn't. I just, I was just thinking wow, he's got an eye for everything. You know, he, he wants to check out everything, you know. It's it. Yeah. I think I, I think there's a level of, of him that, like, really appreciates bands, like, um, that are doing their thing and doing it well. Yeah. And also, like, also, you don't spend as long at the top as he has done without having a healthy amount of, like, healthy competition. If you, like... You, yeah, an interest, interest yeah. in stuff. Yeah, exactly. I, I, think, I think you're right. Like, do you, do you do you get that? Like, when you um, bring bands on the road, like, the, does it like spur different things on you when you see other other bands playing live? Of course, yeah. I mean, you know, I I, I, I um, love um, watching how new bands do things. It's 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 um, it's it's a brilliant thing, you know. I mean, part of the reason why I've got a record label is so I can see what you know, people are doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I know what you mean. I, um, there's a band that like, I've worked very closely with over the years. Um, they're like a teenage punk band from Derry called Touts. And mm-hmm. um, Paul Weller took them on tour and would come out and watch them every single night of the tour. And I remember like four or five nights in, the manager had turned to me and was like, Paul has figured out that two of the boys had fallen out, even though like I, he was watching and couldn't understand anything. He came over and was like, are those two boys having a thing? And they were like, yeah, because well, one of the boys didn't turn up for the bus the night before <laughs> and uh, went, went AWOL. And it was just like, the, it's just the little things of like, you know, the understanding the dynamic of people yeah. in, in bands and stuff. It's quite, it's quite difficult to explain what it's like to be, to be in a in a touring band because it's not quite family and it's not quite a stag do but it's somewhere in between <laughs> yeah i mean you know i don't really know what to say to that <laughs> i think um firstly i was thinking about paul weller and you know just i i, I don't know i mean he, he yeah he does he does so much for for, for young bands um and uh, secondly, yeah, you, you're right. It's a, it is a family. Uh, our band is very much, you know, we're very supportive of each other. But, you know, at, at the same time, it's just, yeah, it can be um, dysfunctional, very, you know, all the time, in fact. <laughs> we were, <laughs> it is, it's never easy, is it? Like, it's never just as easy as like, well, we just like write some yeah. songs and put them out. Because missing the bus, missing the bus, you would think, well, what is wrong with that? You know, <laughs> yeah. but 
when it's so concentrated and, and all you, you've just been told after the gig, you've got to get on the bus to go to the next gig. It's just the most important thing in the world. Yeah, because you're not just holding yourself up, you're holding everybody up. <laughs> yeah, and I've dealt with that. Have you missed the bus before? No, but I've, always, I've, been, I've been in a band with someone who always misses the bus. <laughs> <laughs> do, you still, do, you, do you still play with them? Yeah. <laughs> when was the Allisons? Uh, was when was that? Who, who is it? Uh, I'll let people guess. <laughs> right, fair enough. I'd say like yeah. people, people, be able to make their own mind up. Um, you were talking about setting up a label. That, that was like <clears throat> about start of the was that two thousand and ten? Run, run. Yeah, it's about that. A lot, a lot happened for me in two thousand and ten. I came back to London and. Um, just started started again, really, in lots of ways. Um, lived in Los Angeles for 12 years. Um, moved back to London. Just felt that the time was right. And uh, actually uh, started a label, did a, wrote a solo album and uh, wrote a book about all at about the same time, really. Um, what was it like in LA for like, those 12 years? Did you have like, did you make your own sort of like scene? Did you have like a... An enjoyable time in in LA. Yeah, yeah I mean, um, the, the the first uh, the first two bands I saw, and they were within a couple of days of each other, was um, Elliot Smith, um, and uh, that was at the Roxy, and then at the Troubadour, I saw Brandy or Massacre. So this was like ninety eight, and I moved there in ni- I moved there fully in in, in ninety nine, um, and uh, you know, just everybody comes to play in LA, um, so. I'd go to a lot of shows. Um, um, I enjoyed the sunshine. Um, uh, and um, yeah, just had a, had a, I had a life there, you know, for, for 12 years. And, and um, yeah, the past, the, the last couple of years were, were, were a bit, you know, I was, I was hopping around from, 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 you know, east to west coast and, and back to London again and just finally settled on, thought um, London was, where I needed to be. Was it was it like difficult reacclimatizing? Because obviously you're like a, a northern boy as well. Like uh, you've been away for a long yeah, time. Yeah, well, I've been away for a long time, and yeah. uh, and I did get cold. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Who was like the normally a, re- a label is set up more to facilitate the release of one record rather than go. Let's just set up a label. Was that your case as well? Um, well, there's um, there's a couple of people who are really thought um, I, I really like their music, and and um, uh, one was a band called Electricity in Our Homes, and another artist was uh, called Joseph Coward, and and I thought and and they were um, both London-based artists, and and uh, and I really liked their music. Uh, it was kind of quite. It reminded me of the sort of things that I was listening to when I was a teenager, really, and and it just occurred to me um, and uh, some friends of mine that it'd be good if I could pass on some of my knowledge and, 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 you know, some do's and some don'ts, obviously without getting in the way of their vision, um, but some do's and some don'ts of what could happen and, and things like that. And I don't want to put their, their records out. So I believed in them. And um, so that, that was, they were the first two releases. Like two singles, yeah. As someone who like has released like about I don't know about fifteen releases on on my label at this stage, oh, um, yeah. 
it's incredibly rewarding, but probably as much rewarding as it is a massive ball ache because there's, mm-hmm. there's so much. Um, when you, when you I, like, I've met loads of people who go, "I'm going to set up my own label." I'm like, "When you only can do it if you realize that there's actually like loads of like boring admin stuff that you have to do in the background that nobody ever tells you about." The metadata stuff, it, it just kind of like it kind of drives me crackers. But, but then sometimes, you know, I need that kind of distance, you know, uh, from say doing the listening parties or being in the charlatans or trying to write. Actually, filling in a spreadsheet, actually, actually <laughs> <laughs> just it just makes me feel like not me. Yeah, you know? <laughs> that, that's like um, that's almost like reverse escapism when you've spent your yeah, life. It is exactly that. It is, yeah. It's like like most people who work in clerical jobs like dream of being a rock star, and now you're a rock star dreaming of wanting to be in a clerical job. So I mean, it just goes to show you the grass is always greener on both sides, right? I mean, that's true. That's true. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. Um, it is. So like the the um you were mentioning yeah, the, the the Twitter listening parties. Like I mean, like what number are you up to now? Five hundred and something. Five hundred and thirty. Something like that. How long has it been going for? Since March. Since the beginning of lockdown. You've done 530 since the beginning of lockdown. I thought it was going before lockdown. I thought it had been going for like 10 years or something. I thought I just missed out on it. No, it's not been going very long. I've <laughs> just done it a lot. Oh my God. Um, There's probably justice in saying that... Um, that you have helped a lot of people, <laughs> like not only the artists that are, are are talking about the albums, but people who are fans of them. Like, I mean, I would imagine somewhere like Six Music or Radio One or or Beats or somebody. I'm, I, there's a lot of organisations out there probably looking at your thing, going, "I wish we had a thought of this." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. I mean, I, I thought about it a long, long time ago. I, I saw um, uh, Riz Ahmed from. Um, is, you know, actor yeah. uh, was was uh, talking about. Um, it, we were well. He invited everyone to watch Four Lions, and he would tweet about this is take three. This is the take where I didn't laugh as much as I did in take one and take two. Um, and uh, it, when I get into the car, and I just thought, ah, oh, that's interesting. And I just watched him, and he was like tweeting along with the film. And I thought, I'm going to do that with the Charlatans record. So I ended up doing all of the Charlatans records, all my solo albums, and then all of them again, and again, and again. <laughs> and people loved them, right? Yeah. Um, when lockdown happened, um, I decided to start at the beginning again. Some friendly, who's up for it? Lots of people said, yeah, I can't wait. Um, Alex Capranus said, oh, I love that album. And at that moment, it occurred to me that he should do one. And then Dave Roundtree saw that. And he said, I'll do one as well. And within, you know, a, you know, bonehead. Uh, <laughs> Is it, uh, has it got out of control? It did get out of control. It's, it's now back in control because uh, I've managed to, you know, there's some people helping me with the admin and stuff now. Um, but uh, at first it was all written down on uh, pieces of paper. And I thought, yeah, no one's got, uh, there's not a listening party on, on the fifth. Uh, so someone can go there and then the, Next day, it was like, there's not a listening party on the 5th. I put that, and, you know, there's 
obviously like 10 people all walked in at the same time um, you know because about hundreds of people just got in touch with me wow i mean like you must have experienced quite a lot of stuff around that like i mean is there any like particularly mental moments from the listening parties that have like either either drastic revelations or something crazy has happened I mean, uh, you know, the, the, I mean, so, uh, you know, I, I just mentioned Bonnet then. I mean, you know, Liam um, mentioned that he would join in a lot and that kind of brought, you know, and then he didn't. And it was kind of like, <laughs> then he would, he would say, you know, oh, I think you're doing fine as you are. So I didn't want to join in. And then, of course, he did his own listening party, which was amazing, you know. And, uh, yeah. um, so um, I think, you know, the Kylie one last week was uh, pretty hectic. Um um, but you know they, uh, they've all been amazing they've all, all been um, incredible for people who've been you know looking looking for something during lockdown and um, and uh, they've all they've given people a lot of pleasure and um, you know and, and they've helped me as well because it just meant that I had something to occupy my mind during something that uh, you know I found it cool. So. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I understand. Like, I understand where you come from. Like, the, I think, like, if you are, are, are prone to a nervous twitch from sitting around doing nothing, then you will find something to do. And sometimes that thing that you'll find to do is maybe a little bit different than you ever thought you would be doing. I mean, like, I started, like, me and a friend started writing sketch comedy just because we were bored in March. Wow. And just and just kept doing it. Like I haven't, I've had, I've no like uh, <laughs> one. This, but we're just doing it because like it's creative, it's fun, it's keeping us yeah. busy, and it keeps us connecting. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. And I mean that's it. The the connection is obviously what people don't have when you're on a lockdown. Um, and um, it's that that that's that that that's it's found a way. You know. What do you What do you miss the most? right now because we record this like this won't be going out for a couple for a couple of weeks yet we record this on the 19th of november mid lockdown i miss a pint of guinness from a pub just one pint of guinness from a pub i haven't had one in any year i, I actually just like the idea of sort of um meeting people because i you know i always you know i don't i don't live in london anymore so when i go when i go to london i always make i always have you know 10 people who, who i'm gonna meet and and um and uh, yeah i really i really miss that of course yeah that's it the coffee yeah. the coffee with the coffee with um coffee with friends who stimulate my brain yeah exactly i mean yeah like to, totally well, well we'll be back there soon enough like it's 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 just around the corner trust me um Dude, I've, I've, I've taken up way too much of your time as it is. I'm sure there's been about six listening parties that have probably happened in the time. <laughs> there's, there's, I think there's a few emails that have come in, but um, there isn't any. Well, yes, there is because yes, yes, right. Um, but um, yeah, um, I mean. I, I um I, on on behalf of your 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 fans of the various different projects that you work in, I I thank you for um your infinite amount of entertainment to keep everybody happy and smiling. Oh man, pleasure and thanks so much for this, Phil. It's great. No 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 sweat. Thanks for coming on.
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.